Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from February 20th by Pastor Randy titled, Nehemiah, Build Back Your Faith, Part 6. For those of you who haven't been here for a little while or coming back, we are going to the book of Nehemiah. And we're looking at the revival that took place in Nehemiah in order to encourage our own. And so we're in chapter four today. And so let's start off by reading a good part of chapter four. We're going to start at verse six. I will come back and read the first couple of verses here later on in the, in the sermon. But I want you to get, the reason I want to read this whole chapter one or most of chapter one time is to, to get you the big picture. And then we're going to come back and just be looking at individual verses as we walk through this. So we're going to start off today in, in Nehemiah chapter four, beginning at verse six. It says, so we rebuilt the wall until the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. For the people had the will to keep working. But when Samballot, Tobiah, and the Arabs, Ammonites, and Ashdodites heard that the repair to the wall of Jerusalem was progressing and that the gaps were being closed, they became furious. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw it into confusion. So we prayed to our God and stationed a guard because of them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of the laborers fail since there is so much rubble. We will never be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they won't realize it until we're among them and can kill them and stop the work. When the Jews who lived nearby arrived, they said to us time and again, everywhere you turn, they attack us. So I stationed people behind the lowest sections of the wall at the vulnerable areas. I stationed them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I made an inspection, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and to the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord and fight for your countrymen, your sons and your daughters, your wives and homes. When our enemies heard that we knew their scheme and that God had frustrated it, every one of us returned to his own work on the wall. From that day on, Half of my men did the work while the other half held spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers supported all the people of Judah who were rebuilding the wall. The laborers who carried the loads worked with one hand and worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other. Each of the builders had his sword strapped around his waist while he was building, and the trumpeter was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is enormous and spread out, and we are separated far from one another along the wall. Wherever you hear the trumpet sound, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. Okay, so like I said, we're going through Nehemiah and looking at the revival that took place under Nehemiah to encourage our own. And, and so we're not looking at this like it's a formula, do these five things and you'll experience revival. What we're doing is we're looking at this at things that we need to have in our life. So if God sees fit, if God so chooses, if God wants to work in us, we're ready for him to work in us. How do we get ourselves to the point where we're ready? We've gone through chapter one and said we need to be broken, broken over sins in our own lives. Chapter two, we have to have faith. We talked about how it's going to take faith. Then chapter three, we spent a couple weeks talking about unity. And today, there's another characteristic that needs to be there in the people who are ready and willing for God to do a work in their lives. And it's not as flashy as those first three, 
but it's all of just as important. And that's perseverance. You want to see God work in your life? You've got to learn to have perseverance. Here's what we're going to be saying today. If you're going to experience revival, you must have perseverance in the midst of discouragement. Why is perseverance so necessary? Why is it so crucial? Let me give you two reasons. Number one, you may unintentionally drift away from God, but you don't come back that way. It takes intentional effort. You're going to have to be putting forth some effort. It's not just going to happen. You can't just say, okay, God, send revival. I don't have to do anything. I can just sit here and relax and God do it. It's going to take effort on our part. The second thing is this. Anytime you seek to take a step of faith toward God, there will be opposition. It's just necessary part of the process. It's going to happen. You're going to find opposition from, from one area or another. You would think that Nehemiah, his cushy little job as a cupbearer in Persia to the king of Persia, leaving that, sacrificing, going a thousand miles and building the wall, you would think God would say, okay, I'll just remove all the obstacles so you can just get this done. But that's not what happened. We see it in the book of James where, where James says, the way we grow and mature is through trials, is through tribulation, is through overcoming opposition. That's the way we grow and mature. And that's also the same way, the same process we're going to have to endure in order to come back to God. You've got to have that perseverance because there's going to be opposition. That's just the way it is. That's just the way things are designed. Now, verse 7, we read this. When Sambalat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, Ammonites, Ashdodites heard that the repairs of the wall, these are, these are just describing people from all around them, from north, south, east, and west. And the point I want to make here is you're going to have opposition. It's going to come from everywhere. Sometimes the opposition will come from Satan. The Bible says that, that Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, y'all know lions are a part of the cat family, right? So Satan and cats do have a lot of things in common. Just, just saying, just to make sure we're on the same page there. But here's the thing. We don't live in a spiritual playground. It's a battleground. And you want to rise up and say, I want to seek after God. I want to see our culture come back to God, our church, myself come back to God. There's going to be opposition. And it's going to come from the spiritual world. See, Satan doesn't want that to happen. And he doesn't attack you when you're doing something wrong. He attacks you when you're doing something right. See, Satan wants you to think that you just got to live with all the, with all the broken down walls and, and the whole play, your whole life in ruins. He wants to make you think that you just got to deal with that for the rest of your life. There's nothing I can do. I'll just have to live with this. He's not trying to get you to become an atheist. He just wants you to become a quitter. Well, this must be the way it's just going to be for the rest of my life, the way it's going to be in our culture, in our churches, and in my life. I just have to live with all this mess that's all around me. Opposition comes from Satan. Sometimes our opposition comes from other people. I mean, you would think that a small group of people coming together to attempt to do a big project, that that would elicit admiration from the people around them. But no. 
People were critical. Here's the first three verses of, of Nehemiah 4. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious. He mocked the Jews before his colleagues and the powerful men of Samaria and said, what are those pathetic Jews doing? Can they restore it by themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they ever finish it? Can they bring these burnt stones back to life from the mounds of rubble? Then Tobiah the Ammonite, who was beside him, said, Indeed, even if a fox climbed upon it, they're, they're, what they are building, he would break down their stone wall. Look, whenever you want to say in your life, I'm going to rise up and build, there are people who will say, I'm going to rise up and oppose. It's just the way it's going to be. Critics. So sometimes that opposition comes from the, the people around us. It's like the, the story of that, uh, the father and the son that were loaded up some produce on their donkey and were headed to the market. And they started out with the son riding on a donkey along with the produce and, and the father walking along beside. But then people started commenting as they heard strangers were, were saying, look at that lazy child riding on a donkey while his father walks. So they didn't like to hear all that, so they switched places. Now the father's riding a donkey and the son's walking. Then people begin to say, look at that cruel father making his son walk while he just takes it easy on the back of the donkey. So then they both got on the donkey. Then people begin to say, oh, that poor donkey. I can't believe that they think that that donkey carried the produce and both of them too. So then they both got off and started walking. Then they heard people say, look at those stupid people. They're both walking. There's a perfectly good donkey there. At least one of them could be riding. And I will add, at the end of that, then the, the father's carrying the donkey on his shoulders. I don't know. But the point is this. Criticism is going to come regardless. I can't tell you how freeing it was for me. In my, after my first couple of years of ministry, I realized it doesn't matter what I do. If I do this, I'm going to be criticized. If I do this, I'm going to be criticized. And so I decided early on, I just had to do what I believe God wants me to do in my heart and just go with that because criticism is going to come regardless. They criticized the people. They said they're feeble. They criticized the project. Even if a, a fox jumped upon it, it'd just break down. They criticized their faith. Who do they think they are? Think they're going to be offering sacrifices? You think they're going to be able to worship God? You don't think that's going to help them? No. They criticized their faith. They criticized their leadership. They criticized Nehemiah over and over and over again. The point is, no matter what you do, criticism is going to come. So not only is there opposition that comes from Satan, opposition comes from other people, sometimes the greatest place the opposition comes from is from ourselves. See, sometimes the opposition comes from yourself. You get weary and discouraged. Listen to what we read in verse 10. In Judah, it was said, the strength of the laborer fails since there is so much rubble. We will never be able to rebuild the wall. This wall's been down for 140 years. There's nothing we can do about it. Who do we think we are to think we can come and rebuild this wall? There's no way we can get this done. We're not good enough to do this. Can't believe we even thought we could do this to begin with. Whenever you're doing something for God, it's bad enough when your enemies tell you it can't be done, but when your friends tell you it can't be done, 
That's like water to a drowning man. Remember Elijah, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament? Prayed, and just out of his prayer for three and a half years, it didn't rain. And then on one day, in one day, he calls down fire from heaven, kills all the false prophets, of 450 of them. And then the very next day, after doing that bold thing of calling fire down from heaven and killing all those prophets, he gets an email from Jezebel that says, I'm going to kill you. And what does he do? He just runs away. God, I'm going to quit. God, just take my life. It's over. Discouragement can come. Weariness so easily. It can come to us. And it's very difficult to deal with. No one is immune from discouragement. And right after it says that what we just read, that, that we can't even rebuild ourselves, as they're saying that, here's the very next verse, verse 11. And our enemies said they won't realize it until we're among them and kill them and stop the work. In other words, we're going to just pick them off one by one. So this is pretty bad shape. They're saying to themselves, who are we to think we can do this? And then they're hearing from the enemy, we're just going to come and pick you guys off. Some of you are not quite old enough, but if you remember those old westerns where the Indians would come and attack and they would surround the fort or surround the wagon train or surround the, the farmhouse or whatever it was and they would have these flaming arrows that they would shoot. And they weren't meant to hit people. Although occasionally, I still remember some of the movies where they would, <clears throat> somebody would take a flaming arrow right in the heart. Now, remember, this was years ago, so this wasn't electronically done. How would you like to be that stunt man? It takes the arrow, then flaming arrow in the heart, then you got to hear take two. Let's do this again. But anyway, this was very smart because what they're doing is, is they're trying to start a fire because you can't fight fire and fight Indians at the same time. And so here they are. They got this discouragement from within. They got these enemies from without. And things are, are looking pretty sad. So here's our thing. Anytime you seek to take a step of faith toward God, there will be opposition. It's just part of the process. It's going to happen. You decide, oh, I'm going to start a godly family and I'm going to make sure we're focused on God. The next day, your wife's throwing a shoe at you or something. There's just going to be resistance. And you're going to say, how can I get this done? You decide you're going to be financially free and you're going to pay all your debts and you get a tattoo of Dave Ramsey on your arm or something. You said, look, from now on, boy, I'm handling my money the right way. And you're starting to save that first thousand dollars. What's going to happen by Friday? Something's going to break and it's going to be expensive. It's just the way it happens. You decide you're going to start taking care of your body. You're going to eat differently. So you go to the store to buy fruit and vegetables. And as soon as you walk in the store, what do you see? Oreos, 75% off. Listen, opposition is going to come. You decide you're going to be a, a Bible study leader in the church. You're going to, to start a small group and, and lead out. And you're going to be a spiritual leader for a small group of people. And what happens? Your daughter walks, walks into the house and says, look, I don't believe in God anymore. And besides that, I'm pregnant. Listen, opposition is going to come. You want to try and stand up and, and, and get back right with God? You, you want to 
to take those steps and say, God, I need you to do something with me and I'm serious about it. And you start trying to put yourself out there. You're praying, you're fasting, you're, you're having faith. You're, you're, you're trying to seek after unity. There's going to be opposition. So how do we overcome that? What do we do? You can't give up. If you're going to persevere, I want to give you five things. Yeah, five things that you have to do if you're going to persevere. The first one is this, stay persistent. You want to persevere, you need to stay persistent because it's easy to grow weary in well-doing. See, it's easier to start something than it is to finish something, right? Remember the diet you started? The first day went well, didn't it? Remember that exercise program you started? The first week went well, didn't it? That first week at, at CrossFit, it went okay. Remember that, that Bible study plan you were thinking about doing or you started on? The first week went well, didn't it? Oh, I can read my Bible every day. In the first week, that went real well. You have to stay persistent. Here's the thing. You never finish if you don't start, but it's easier to start than it is to finish. Why is that? Why is it so much easier to start something than to finish it? I'll tell you why. It's because the new wears off. Real quickly, you go buy a new car and you bring that home from the car lot and it sprinkles. When you get home, you take a towel and you wipe that thing off. Six months later, you got McDonald's wrappers everywhere. You got old stale fries stuck everywhere. You throw a seed in the back seat, something's going to grow because the new wears off. You bring the new baby home from the hospital. It wakes up at two o'clock in the morning. Oh, and you cuddle and you coo. And, oh, let me hold it for a while. And, and do it. six months later, baby wakes up at three o'clock in the morning. Why can't that baby sleep through the night? You know, the new wears off. You can make a commitment to follow Christ. You have a relationship with God. It's new. It's exciting. Relationship with God in church. You just look forward to church every Sunday. But then you realize after a while, church, it has people in it. All right? And the new wears off and suddenly things aren't exciting as it used to be. That just happens. What I want you to realize is that there are no miracles in the book of Nehemiah. None. Now, Nehemiah believes in miracles. He talks about a miraculous God. He believes in miracles, but there are no miracles there in the book of Nehemiah. I believe we have a God who performed miracles and still does. But revival doesn't always come through miracles. Sometimes revival comes through the monotonous. Just taking one more brick and putting it on the wall and one more brick and putting it on the wall. When I first started ministry, the people who I, oh, I want to go see them, I want to go hear them, were the ones with a lot of charisma, very gifted. You know, the ones I admire now are the ones who, they're just persevered. They just keep going. In the midst of difficult circumstances, they just keep putting another brick and another brick on the wall. Those are the ones that, that I look to now. It's not the, the, the flashy ones. If you, want to be, if you want to rebuild, it will require 
persistence, that you just keep going one step at a time to miss the opposition. The next day you wake up and say, I'm just going to put another brick on the wall today. Let me read you out of the diary of John Wesley. This is a month, uh, about a month out of his diary. Sunday morning, May 5th, preached in St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday evening, May 5th, preached in St. John's. Deacon says, get out and stay out. Sunday morning, May 12th, preached in St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday morning, May 19th, preached in St. Somebody Else's. Uh, that just happens to be the name of the place. Deacons called special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday evening, May 19th, preached on the street, kicked off the street. Sunday morning, May 26th, preached in the meadow, chased out of meadow as bull was turned loose during the service. Sunday morning, June 2nd, preached on the edge of town, kicked off the highway. Sunday afternoon, June 2nd, preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came out to hear me. He just kept on moving. Look at this in, in verse 6. It says, so we rebuilt the wall until the entire wall was joined together. They just kept on building. Uh, verse 21, so we continued to work. They just kept on moving, kept on going. So you want to persevere? You need to be persistent. You just need to keep going. The second thing you need to do is, do this, is to pray with faith. Pray with faith. Now, anybody can pray, but do you pray with faith? And what I mean by that is what you do after you pray that shows whether or not you've really prayed in faith. Here's the thing. Here's what we see in, in this. In, here's a verse in chapter four. So we prayed to our God and stationed a guard. They prayed and they did something. Here's what we read in the prayer. This is, this is the prayer they're saying, listen to our God for we are despised. Uh, make their insults return on their heads and let them be taken as plunder to the land of captivity. Do not cover their guilt. Let their sin be erased from your sight because they have angered the, build, angered the builders. So this is a prayer. They're praying. And then next week, so they rebuilt the wall. They prayed. Then they stationed guard. They prayed. Then they built. Anybody can pray, but it's what you do next that shows that you're praying in faith. You don't pray for a job and then just go sit at your house and sit on the couch and watch TV and, well, God, I pray somebody will give me a call or come knock on the door. No, you pray for a job, then you go apply. Abraham and Sarah, they were given a promise by God that, that, that through them there was going to be descendants that were just numerous as the stars in heaven or the sand on the seashore. They believed the promise, and apparently they kept trying to have kids too. That's different from the girl who says, I believe the Bible is God's word and that I should marry only another Christian. But you know what? Me and my boyfriend, we have a special relationship going on. And I just know as we get married, God's going to do something gracious in his life. That's not faith. That's disobedience. Faith acts on God's word. It doesn't stand in opposition to God's word. So you're going to pray, you're going to pray in faith. The, the, the third thing to do is to keep your focus on God. 
Here's what we read out of Nehemiah. After I made an inspection, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord and fight for your countrymen, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And then the, another verse in here, whenever you hear the trumpet sound right to us, there our God will fight for us. He's keeping the focus on God. He's saying, we have a God. Man, what he can do, an awe-inspiring God. Remember, he brought the 10 plagues to Pharaoh in Egypt. Pharaoh let us go. Then Pharaoh decides he's going to chase us. And there we are between Pharaoh's army and the mountain and the sea. And God breaks open the Red Sea. We pass through on dry ground. He gives us manna. He gives us food. He just takes care of us. To keep the focus on God. What Nehemiah is reminding the people is that they're not building a great wall for God. They're building a wall for a great God. You see, because in the midst of the problem, you need to remember this. In the midst of the problem, you can either have a huge God or you can have huge problems, but you can't have both. And what Nehemiah is doing here, he's saying, our God will fight for us. Remember our awe-inspiring Lord. He's trying to keep their focus on God. We read these verses in, in Romans chapter 8. Or this part of the verse, God is for us. Let, let's just say that together, okay? We need y'all need to get with me here. God is for us. Y'all let's say that together. God is for us. Okay, now every one of those words are important. God, our sovereign, almighty, Lord over all creation. That God is, not was, not might be, not one day we'll see. He is and for. He's not neutral. He's not waiting to see how you behave or how things go. For and then us, not some of us, not part of us, but all of us. Let's say that again. God is for us. That should be exciting. See, it's what David knew when he says the battle belongs to the Lord. It's what Jehoshaphat knew when he said the battle belongs to the Lord. And here's what we read in verse 15. When our enemies heard that we knew their scheme and that God had frustrated it, read that God was for us. Every one of us returned to his own work on the wall. Yeah, you want to you rebuild the wall? You want to rebuild the ruins in your life? You want to be able to persevere and just put on another brick? You realize that, that, that God is fighting for you. God is for us. The, the fourth thing, uh, make the future about others. This is really important here. Let's go back and read this verse again. After I made an inspection, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord and... Fight for your countrymen, your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. See, because when you need to rebuild something, if you're thinking it's just me and my life that's at stake, it's a lot easier to quit, isn't it? But when you realize you're fighting for somebody who can't fight for themselves, you're fighting for somebody that's dependent upon you, that if you don't come through, it's going to cost them in a big way, that you're fighting for other people. What a difference that can make. See, 
Here's the thing. Your perseverance today will be someone else's blessing tomorrow. We're experiencing that right now. You're in here in this building because people sacrificed and had faith and built this thing. And then that building over there and then the building across the street. You're enjoying what other people sacrifice for. Other people are dependent upon you to get this right, to persevere. It's not just about you. It's about those who come after you, your friends, your family. That's why you have to persevere. That's why you can't give up when it comes to, to the idea of revival. You have to just keep going. And then the last thing, sustain each other. Here's what we read. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is enormous and spread out, and we are separated far from one another along the wall. Whenever you hear the trumpet sound, ride to us there, our God will fight for us. What's he saying? He's saying, look, you're not alone in this. If the enemy comes to attack you, we're going to be there with you. We're going to help you. We're going to help sustain each other. Here's what we read in Hebrews. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I want you to notice, he's not saying encourage each other to go to church. He's saying go to church so you can encourage each other. You want to persevere? You're going to need that encouragement and you need to give it to others. So this time of the year, two things I look forward to. One's time change, March 13th. Can't wait. The other thing happens near the end of April. My wife enjoys sleeping with the window open. It doesn't matter if I want it open or not. She enjoys sleeping with the window open. And come along at the end of April and May at about 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to hear honk, honk, as the geese start coming back, right? I like hearing that for the first couple of days. After that, I'm done. And there for a while, when we first moved into our house, we had geese that would hang around our house. And so they'd just fly around our house. Honk, honk, honk. It started about 4.30 in the morning. And keep going. they'd land on our roof. And you could hear them on our roof just walking around on the roof and everything. Uh, and one time they flew and they hit the, the window, uh, one of the windows in our house. You talk about a loud noise. Because uh, you could just hear them flying around. Honk, 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 boom. You, you knew what happened. But anyway, I, I digress. The geese, they know they fly in that V formation, right? And they do so because they say they can fly 71% further than they could if they were on their own. Because once the one flies the swings to start with and it creates an updraft for the others behind them and they're drafting. You saw it over, over in the Olympics, you know, whether they're skiing or whatever they're doing, they're drafting behind each other because that helps so much. And so when one geese gets to the head goose gets tired, it drops to the back. Another goose moves up to the front. 
And they're all honking. Hey, we're back here. Keep going. Keep going. You can do this. I commission every one of you to be holy honkers in our church. <laughs> to encourage somebody. Every time you come to church, you ought to be saying, who is it I can encourage today? And there shouldn't a day go by when one of the nursery workers, child care workers, doesn't hear somebody encourage them. So here's the layout as you finish this up. Here's the analogy. We live in a Christian culture where things are just broken everywhere. There's just brokenness. In our Christian culture, the place is in ruins. The walls are broken down. You know, it's, it's divorce, it's addictions, it's, it's everything you can imagine. It's just everywhere. Every family has it in their, in their family. It's broken somewhere. And you can choose to say, well, we'll just live with it. There's nothing we can do about it. It's just the way things are. Or you can be broken in your own life. You can have an act of faith, of unity, and you can begin to, to do what it takes to persevere, to keep going. Yes, it's going to take sustaining each other and focusing on God and, and being persistent and praying with faith. It's, it's going to take those things. But that's just the way it is because just as you want to grow and mature, it's, it's going to take you overcoming the opposition. It's going to take trials. You want to come back to God. It's going to take overcoming the trials and difficulties in your life. We can't just sit back and say, God, just do something. But we can put ourselves in a place where if God so chooses, he just pours out a revival upon us. So. Are you ready to keep going and just grab another brick to persevere? Yes, it's going to be difficult. You're going to need that sustaining from other people, that encouragement. You're going to need to, to pray with faith. You're going to need to focus on God and, and not all distractions around you. You're going to need to be persistent. In the midst of the distractions that come, because they are, they will come. You attempt to do something for God, they will come. It will be there. Are you going to be one of those that persist, that keep going? Or are you going to be one of those that just quit and say it's too much, can't do it, you get discouraged and quit? Oh, but I have faith in you guys. If there's a lot of you in here that are ready for that. You're ready for what God wants to do in you, in us, in our church. And you're ready to start that and not give up. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.